This is 105.9 The Region with your stories, the good news in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country, and beyond. This is good to hear. It's February, it's Black History Month, and an incredible group of individuals who are the geniuses and the brains behind the Black Girl Hockey Club and everything that goes along with it are announcing their scholarship recipients for 2022 uh, and talk more about it. Thrilled to be someone we've talked to before and is doing some amazing work with Renee Hess and all her staff. It is Taylor Green. Taylor, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's it's incredible to me to see the evolution and growth of the Black Girl Hockey Club. And you look at your list of recipients for the scholarship. It is from Toronto. It's Minnesota. It's San Jose. It's London, England. It's incredible the the scope and the breadth of the people involved in the Black Girl Hockey Club and how you're benefiting people all over now. Yeah, we're really proud of the global growth and impact that we're able to have. And as you mentioned, we have eight total recipients for winter 2022, and including one from the UK and three from the GTA. So we're really proud to support all of these amazing athletes and be a part of their hockey journey. The, the story about the young woman from England is pretty incredible. The only black player on the only women's ice hockey team in London, always looking for opportunities to foster positive change. I can see why Montana was one of the people you gave a scholarship to because you talk about defying the odds to play the sport she loves. She's a perfect example of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, just from a personal standpoint, reading Wintana's essay and hearing about her journey and, you know, seeing how, as a marginalized athlete, still seeing her vision and the ways in which she wants to spread hockey in the UK for young players of color was really inspiring. So super excited for her and her family. Taylor, it must be difficult for you and your staff to actually pick the recipients of the scholarships because some of these stories, like how do you pick one over the other? Yeah, that's a great point, Jim. I think sometimes you would think it would be easy, but, or may, or it would be hard, but they honestly make it easy. You know, we are of the mindset that as much money and as much scholarships as we can give to recipients, we do. So, you know, if anyone out there is, you know, wondering if they should apply, I would always advocate for them to apply. One thing that I've always been blown away by is their, just how remarkable these young women's vision is for hockey and how they are all striving at such a young age to truly make hockey a sport for everyone. So I'm always impressed by them, and I'm always looking to have as many recipients as possible each season. And you never know, one of these young women will be the next Sarah Nurse or the next Angela James. You just don't know. Exactly. You can get more details at blackgirlhockeyclub.org. The applications for their summer scholarships are due by the 30th of April. So go to their website, and if you are inspired by this and you think, I know someone, I think they should be a recipient, put your applications in. They go quick. Uh, The age ranges from 8 to 17. Uh, it's a lot of money giving out. And, and and one thing we're seeing on social media, it's not just the people within your circle of friends, Taylor. It's major people within hockey are realizing the Black Girl Hockey Club and what you and your people and your staff are doing to make a difference is really getting noticed around the hockey world. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, you look at one of our recipients, Dayton O'Donoghue, she's actually a two-time scholarship winner, and she was just on Hometown Hockey with Tara Sloan and Ron McLean, and she just did a feature with Bauer Hockey uh, to foster inclusion in hockey, and she actually serves on the NHL Youth Advisory Board. So just truly an astonishing individual, and I'm so excited to be a part of her journey. Um, another athlete we had, Sydney Merritt, she's going to be playing D1 hockey in the fall, so hmm. super excited to be a part of her journey as well. So we're just really blessed to have all of these amazing women who care so much about the game and are willing to do their part to make this sport better. So, again, just really honored to be a part of their journeys and super excited that people are receiving them well. Speaking with Taylor Green of the Black Girl Hockey Club, get more details at blackgirlhockeyclub.org. The people that support you support you completely and without reservation. Some of the people that maybe resisted you at the beginning, are you finding a lot of them have realized what you're all about and have come over to your side now? That's a good question, Jim. I would say some. Um, You know, you're not going to please everyone. We know that, um, and we're okay with that. Um, Something that Renee and I joke about, actually, is that if we woke up tomorrow and had a million followers on social media, we would be kind of concerned, like, what happened? What did we do? (laughs) So we, one thing that we're very proud of is uh, the loyal base that we have and something that I've always said from a communication standpoint, is that, you know, if we had 20 followers, but within those 20 followers, black girls and women felt affirmed, felt that they matter, felt they are valued in the sport of hockey, then that's what's most important. So, you know, our metrics for success aren't necessarily um, conversion rates on, you know, trying to convince people of the value and dignity of black women in hockey, it's for black women themselves to feel that they have a place in hockey and that hockey truly is for everyone. Indeed. Get all the details also of their Twitter account, which has 28,800 followers, real followers, uh, and use the hashtag get uncomfortable. It's about getting uncomfortable with discussions and conversations that need to be had so we can grow the sport. And uh, there's actually a great post on your Twitter feed about uh, a colored hockey league team from the Maritimes in the Halifax in the late 1800s. And we realize the roots and the depth of people of color playing hockey in North America goes back well over a century. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our president of our board, Tanisha Singleton, she was recently on a show. Um, and one of the first things that kind of blew the host away was the early roots of hockey with the Maritime Hockey League um, being composed of black players. So um, it's something that we love to share during Black History Month. And we're always looking to inform the hockey community um, about black history and hockey um, this month and every month. So we would encourage people to look at the black history tour that the NHL is doing um, around North America and just continue to um, learn about black history and hockey and uh, this month and every month. You know, with BGHC, every month is Black History Month. Absolutely. Taylor Green of the Black Girl Hockey Club, blackgirlhockeyclub.org, doing great work with hockey and everyone, and you need to check them out and learn more about them. Taylor, thank you so much, and thank you for everything you and Renee and everyone at your staff do. Thank you so much, Jim. Take care. Good to hear. This is the good news.
A new addition to the family is always good news, and the Toronto Zoo family is no different. Last week, a four-and-a-half-year-old cheetah and new mom gave birth to three cheetah cubs. Well, Dolph DeYoung, the president and CEO of the Toronto Zoo, joins me on the phone today. Dolph, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. So let's get right to it because it's all about good news stories here at 105.9 The Region. How are those cheetah cubs doing? You know, Rob, they're doing fantastic. We got three healthy youngsters. Uh, they were born, they're really small when they're born, a little over 700 grams, uh, but they are feeding from mom and, and any day now those eyes are going to open up. That is so exciting. We're going to keep an eye on that for sure on all your our socials, of course. Um, now, there's so many questions that go along with this. I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but how long does a pregnancy last? Yeah, so, so mom uh, is usually caring for around 90 days. And now this is the first litter for this particular cheetah. Yes, yeah, she's, she's four and a half years old. She was actually born at your zoo. And uh, yeah, she's been an amazing first-time mom, uh, giving great care. The other day I had a chance to pop in and see her ever so briefly, and she was grooming them. It's, it's been incredible to see. Wow, what a joy for 2022 and the Toronto Zoo. So let's talk about that. You've got some more good news. You are opening up your doors. Yes, February 10th. We're excited to welcome guests back. Uh, we've been closed since the 3rd, so pre-booked online at torontozoo.com. Of course, you need your proof of vaccination and your mask and 50% capacity for our buildings. But yeah, we can't wait to see you back at your zoo. Yeah, I'm looking forward to coming out myself. Now, since I've got you on the line, is there any other good news? Well, you know, it is Year of the Tiger as well. Uh, so we have been using that opportunity to uh, celebrate the Amur and Sumatran Tigers in our care. And um, really, when you come in, you'll be uh, seeing a little bit more on them as we look to expand their habitats in the year ahead as well. All right, before we leave, Dolph, plug that website one more time. TorontoZoo.com for your bookings, and we can't wait to see you soon. Thanks for your time, Dolph. All this is good to hear. I'm Rob on Road for 105.9 The Region. Good to hear. We'll be right back on 105.9 The Region. Listen live at 1059theregion.com or 105.9 FM. This is 105.9 The Region with your stories, the good news in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country, and beyond. This is good to hear. Free stuff is always good to hear, especially at this time, as the province continues on the path of reopening. Richmond Hill Public Library has plenty to offer, and to share the details is Joshua Dyer, Director of Content and Strategy Delivery. Good to chat with you, Josh. Thanks, Gina. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having us on the show today. So how will Richmond Hill Public Library recognize Black History Month? Uh, well, we have a, a few wonderful programs that we've put together and a book list that's been developed by our staff that gives our community the experience to explore voices that they haven't heard before or voices that resonate with them as well. And how can our listeners participate? How can they join? How can they learn more about it? Well, we have, we have three uh, programs set up for the Black History Month this, this year. Uh, and they, you know, it's for really something for everyone. We have children's programs, teens programs, family programs, and, and something just for adults as well. 
they can all be found on our website at rhbl.ca slash black history. Um, but I can also tell you a little bit about what we have in store for the month. That would be great. Uh, so first up is actually uh, a program that is a partnership between us and, and libraries across the York and Durham regions. It's called Black, Black Excellence in STEM Careers and Research. Uh, and this is really addressing a, a, a bit of an issue that's that's been happening for a while. There's a bit of an underrepresentation of both uh, Black folks and women in, in the STEM industries, that's science, technology, engineering, and math. And so we have an incredible educator, Margaret Ikape, who's a PhD candidate at University of Toronto, and she's going to share her passion for science, a bit of her the career her career journey, uh, and a little bit of her research as well to you know hopefully get folks excited about entering careers and paths uh, in that sector. And after that, that's on February seventh. On February 9th, uh, we have a children's program. It's a author visit with uh, the author Akiva Iron. And Akiva uh, writes these incredible books uh, that are sort of um, that focus on the African continent and the histories, cultures, uh, and, and art that comes from that continent. Uh, it's, a, it's a program that is uh, developed for kids around the around grade grade one and two, and it really allows them to sort of explore uh, these amazing sort of like kingdoms, kings and queens, and landmarks from the African continent. And then after that. Uh, we have another incredible author visits by Antonio Michael Downing. Uh, and Michael, Mike, Antonio Michael Downing, he's the author of a book called Saga Boy. Uh, it's really about his personal life journey. He grew up in the island of Trinidad uh, and then migrated to a small uh, community in northern Ontario. And it's really a coming-of-age story that, uh, that, that, that you know, really looks at some of the lessons he learned and, and him sort of being sort of uh, – uprooted and dropped into this totally different culture. And uh, Michael is also an incredible speaker, so I'm, I'm really excited to, to have him join us this month. And uh, that one is uh, developed for high school-age students. Uh, so also if any folks listening now are high school teachers or have friends who are high school teachers, we still have uh, room in that program. Uh, that's on February 16th. So if you have a class or you have a team that you think that'd be a good fit for, again, head over to rhbl.ca slash black history. And how did the library decide on these two authors specifically? Well, you know, uh, our librarians are always looking for sort of, you know, the, the brightest up and coming uh, authors. Uh, they're constantly sort of researching, um, you know, popular books and trends that are happening. And, uh, and, and, They've spotted these these two these two authors that that they thought would be would be a great addition to our Black History Month roster, uh, and also you know part of the reason as you'll see I talked about the uh, the uh, Antonio Michael Downing program you know we developed that especially for schools because this is usually a time of the year where where schools have speakers who come in, but obviously with COVID that that that's become a bit more difficult. So this allows us to sort of, you know, fill that role, fill that gap, and be able to present something that is still usable for educators in our community over Black History Month. And are these all Zoom events, Josh? They will be all Zoom events, yes. Do you think that Zoom events, author visits via Zoom, can be as inspiring as those in person? 
I, I definitely think they can. Mm-hmm. And especially, I will say, I think with the with the authors and speakers that, that we have lined up this February, uh, they're definitely the kind of folks that can uh, really pierce through even over Zoom. Obviously, it's not ideal. You know, we'd love to have folks, uh, you know, uh, inside our library, and, and I think we will very soon. But uh, especially these these authors and speakers that we have uh, lined up for February, I think are just the kind of folks that will really be able to create a, an engaging experience, even even over Zoom. And providing that variety of voices, I think, is so important for our students. Certainly, certainly. So switching gears a bit now, what is Bad Art Night all about? So switching gears a little bit, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, after you've uh, participated in some Black instrument programs, and you've uh, opened yourself up to new perspectives and learned a little something. By the end of the month, it's time to have a little bit of fun. And so that's exactly where Bad Art Night comes in. Uh, it, it's uh, uh, one of our, one of our, one of our, Team uh, came up with this, and I, I, just, I just love the idea. Basically, uh, you register for the event, uh, you come to the library, it's sort of a doorside pickup thing, and you pick up a kit, and the kit is filled with just all kinds of mysteries. There's feathers and pom-poms and stickers, uh, all the things you would need to create that art. Uh, and then you join a, you know, a community, a group of people uh, over Zoom, and uh, you can even invite a friend over if you want, and and, and do it with them, and you try to make uh, something beautiful out of this, you know, just mystery of objects that, uh, that are sent to you in this box. Uh, and it's, you know, really just, I think, trying to, trying to uh, present this idea that, you know, uh, art, is, art can just be fun. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, uh, I know for myself, but one of the things, I get anxiety trying to, like, draw or paint something because uh, I want it to turn out beautiful. But this is just sort of like owning up to, it doesn't have to be, the process itself just has to be fun, and that is enough. And do the bad art artists all come together one evening? Yes, they'll they'll all come together uh, February 22nd. But I think to get one of the kits, uh, or we have two evenings, it's February 9th and February 22nd. The February 9th event is sold out, so February 2nd, uh, there's still slots open in that. Uh, so register as soon as you can, so you can pick up a kit in advance of uh, February 22nd. And I know you listed what's in the kits. Are they free? Yes, they are free, just like everything else at RHPL. That's pretty amazing. Do you think that anybody can be an artist? Oh, certainly. <laughs> uh, and and I, I, would hope, I would hope we all feel we have some sort of artistic merit and integrity. And how has the, you know, as we wrap things up, I just want to ask you, how has the library been through this entire pandemic in terms of staying connected, especially with the community? Because it's always so important. I agree. You know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's really been impressive to see how our, our staff have, have adapted and been resilient uh, amidst all the changes. Uh, and also, uh, I really commend, uh, you know, not just our library, but libraries everywhere have really uh, stepped up to ensure that people in our communities can stay connected. Um, and so I think, you know, libraries have shown their 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 value and revel, uh, relevance uh, maybe more than ever over the last two years. Uh, so, you know, they've really sort of been able to play that role of these community hubs and allowing people to stay connected. Um, and uh, we, we 
been there this whole time and we'll, we'll be there for the community when this is all done as well. Excellent. If listeners want more information or want to register, how can they do that? Uh, yes, they can uh, register for any of the programs involved. Plus, we have uh, some you know, uh, curated book lists uh, for Black History Month that have been developed by, by our staff. Uh, and so those are all at rhpl.ca. Uh, and specifically for the Black History Month programs, you can go to rhpl.ca slash Black History. Joshua, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Tina. Pleasure, pleasure to be here. Send us your good news stories at info at 1059theregion.com. This is good to hear.